This is WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. I am Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4, now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. I have a vision impairment. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I travel with a white cane. On today's public affairs show, I'm happy to have two gentlemen here. One is Paul Christian, and the other is uh, Chris Siciliano. Paul is with the Louisiana Partimento Conservatory, a very, very interesting group of uh, instructors that teach music to individuals and especially individuals who are visually impaired or blind. I first ran into Paul by watching him uh, teach music classes and very impressed with the work he does and how the uh, adults with vision impairment also take the lessons. So I wanted to have Paul on today's public affairs show to uh, talk about that. And Chris's son, Victor, is also a student. Both Chris and Victor are musicians as well. So, Paul, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Carl. Give a quick little background on your bio, where you're from, and how you got into music. Uh, Sure. Uh, I claim that I'm from central Louisiana. Uh, I grew up in a town called Oakdale. Uh, When I was going into high school, uh, my parents uh, had to move and leave the state. Uh, We went to uh, Wichita, Kansas. My dad became the director of instruction at a K-12 special school uh, for uh, severely disabled um, students. It was a private school called the Institute of Logopedics. Um, I started playing music uh, with my mother, actually. She uh, directed choirs for churches uh, when I was growing up. Um, We did multiple church services uh, a week and worked with nursing homes. Uh, So that was kind of my schooling. Uh, I I did uh, play in the jazz band in high school, uh, but right out of high school, I actually had a, a, a pop band that... Uh, started to have some regional success, and uh, that parlayed into a record deal. And when uh, that happened, uh, the the the, the uh, company asked where I would like to go and record the record, and I said I want to go to New Orleans. Wow. So that brought me here. That's great. Uh, what kind of music did you play in your pop band? Was, was there covers cover uh, songs? No, it, it was all original music. Um, in fact, um, uh, you know, uh, that was really kind of the, the big joy of my life. I wanted to, you know, make records and and uh, getting to do that was, you know, with my own music was really great. Uh, when I came to New Orleans, uh, I immediately got uh, hooked in with some really incredible musicians that taught me a lot. Uh, a lot of them were students of Harold Baptiste, um, and they're they're all continuing professional musicians now. And that's how I got into teaching. Actually, I I, I didn't pursue teaching until after uh, Katrina. Uh, one of the guys that I'd been playing with, one of Harold's students, um, actually put my name into the hat to go teach at a, at a music store that he was teaching at, and that kind of started me on a you know, a path that's led to this point right now. Okay. Now, I know currently now you're at the LPC. Tell us about LPC and the work that you do there and and how, uh, first, give me contact information, how someone can contact you there, as we'll give this contact information again a couple more times. Sure. Uh, LPCmusic.com is our website. Uh, I can be contacted directly at paul.christian at lpcmusic.com. 
Uh, Louisiana Partimento Conservatory, I'll kind of start backwards. Uh, the word conservatory originally me means uh, orphanage. Uh, the original co uh, conservatories, music conservatories, were started in Napoli in Italy uh, in the 16th century into the 17th, and they were orphan trade schools. Uh, kids would actually be put on a lazy Susan behind a church and wheeled into the church uh, at the dead of night, and these children would become wards of the church. And instead of seeing this as blight, um, the, the city parents of, of Napoli saw these children as a resource, and they trained them in all manners of skills and trades so that when uh, they left these conservatories, they, they were ready to have a career. Um, and there were four schools. Uh, there were four schools in Napoli specific to music. And every major composer of the 18th century either was in contact with, instructed by, or directly connected to teachers from these four schools. So they had an immense amount of influence uh, on the music that we know as classical music today. Um, the model of LPC is trying to recreate a similar model here in New Orleans. Uh, we want um, basically to train musicians uh, of all ages uh, to get into the process. My mom would say, you know, um, get in where you fit in. And that's a, a very sort of New Orleans idea, too. Um, you know, it's it, we're, we're not about, you know, auditions. We're about, you know, just giving information to the people that, that want it. How that connects to the blind um, really comes in. Uh, you and I discussed it uh, recently, Carl. Uh, there's an old Italian saying, um, a talented musician has a touch of blindness. And um, that was really sort of the jumping off point for me. Uh, to begin pursuing uh, the blind community, if we think about how many talented musicians of our time are blind, I mean Henry Butler, you know, comes to mind. Ray Charles, uh, Stevie Wonder. Uh, there's something uh, about that, and, and I think a lot of times we get uh, uh, this idea that music is about the ear, when really most musicians, when you talk to them will say the most important sense to play music is the sense of touch. And, you know, I describe it with my sighted, you know, piano students or guitar students. Um, the way uh, a person without sight negotiates the world by using a touch that's sensitive to what's around them to get information through their sense of touch, that is how a musician needs to approach their instrument. Um, and so that's where the, the link between what we do at LPC and what began with working with the lighthouse. Now, I know that you talk a, a little bit about, uh, you know, both sided and people that are blind. Can you tell a difference or can you tell that certain people without vision or low vision are maybe more gifted than others or more gifted than the sighted musician? Can you tell there's a difference or have you noticed that comparison that you talked about with the, a lot of our famous uh, blind musicians? I, th I think it really comes down to the individual. I think, you know, 
playing, doing any kind of performance uh, requires a certain level of fearlessness. And uh, I'll give the example of Horace Grayson, one of the students at the, the Lighthouse that started with us during the pandemic. Um, he was actually making his way to Kenner at our location on the bus. Like he would leave the Lighthouse after his day of work, get on the bus, make transfers, get to Jefferson Parish and to Kenner. And I would get calls from parents of students, you know, Horace is walking up Williams Boulevard. You know, uh, that level of fearlessness is what's required, you know, to put oneself out into the world. Um, So I think that's part of it. Uh, I, I do think that a person who is willing to let the their eyes go, you know, the the eyes kind of take a a level of attention. You know, there's a a sense that you know whatever you're you're looking at gets your attention, and when you're if even if you have sight and you're looking at the keyboard, it looks scary. There's all these keys in front of you, and it's it seems so daunting. And yet, what I find is when I put a blindfold on a sighted student, they immediately, if they slow down and they think about it, they start to perform better. And, you know, a person, let's say, that was, you know, never had sight is probably, you know, approaching an instrument without that fear that someone with sight would have. And so there's an advantage there, I think. Um, you know, in Horace's case, you know, Horace lost his vision in his adulthood. So I, I see the working that he does at the keyboard as being an extension of all of the training that he received in terms of using his cane. The, the, you know, using his cane to negotiate the world gives him a certain level of contact. It's like a drumstick, you know. Uh, but there's also the sensitivity that he gains at the keyboard, the, the, the sense of, you know, he has to calm himself. He has to get the information for, from each of his 10 digits. And when he does that, he processes and is successful. And uh, so I, I can relate to Horace, you know, having sight. There, the, the times when I can, you know, let my ego go, because the eyes are really a, a, an ego uh uh, sense when I let that part of myself go and I trust the information that I'm getting from my hands, I play better. Okay, Chris, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, your bio, how you got into music, and then uh, talk about your son Victor. When he started taking lessons, how old he is now, and what kind of musician he is, and what he could become. Okay. Um... So uh, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I uh, my dad he played in a bunch of bands, um, fairly successfully. I mean, we he was a bass player. Ultimately, I learned how to play bass just to have something to do with my dad when I was in ninth grade. We were decent at best. I you know I was a touring musician for a short period of time as well. Um, I always wanted to live in New Orleans since I was a little kid, and before I knew anything about it, and I got an opportunity, and I moved down here, and I never left. I don't know, I don't know why it's the way it was, but anyway, um, Victor, um, he's seven. He um, 
I noted, well, we knew, what's the, like six months into, you know, him being around that he had eye problems or maybe even less than that. And he has levers and nystagmus. And so he's mostly blind. Um, and uh, I noticed when he was in his jumper, he knew how to jump to the beat of songs immediately. Um, for some reason, the song hooked on a feeling. <laughs> no matter what happened to him, if you put that on, oh, yeah. he would stop in his tracks and smile. Like it was like I you know, used it as like a bar trick, like a parlor trick. You know, it's like, watch, he's upset. Let me put this song on, and he would immediately be quiet and start smiling. I'm like, all right, so he relates to music. He he grew up like we have a tablet on the wall. I noticed he didn't want to watch Mickey Mouse. He wanted to watch YouTube videos of people playing bass covers. And I was like, it was weird. Like, and, uh, but anyway, when I realized that he um, was a little gifted on top of being interested in it was, um, he started being able to like, like recreate what he heard, like in a basic way on a piano. Well, my, my brother-in-law got him a little set of drums. Literally in four hours, he was playing ACDC songs. I'm, I can't play drums at all. Like, I've tried and tried. I can't get four limbs to do four different things. Well, to me, that's not a bad band to start you know, <laughs> right, playing right. with. I, I, yeah, I'm yeah. a classic rock guy. Yeah, he, he played Highway to Hell the first day. And I was like, oh, my God. I've been on video with my the whole family standing going, what just happened? So, um, so then I started getting them to piano because I always thought that's like learning Latin with language. That's the base of, you know. And um, we met Paul through the lighthouse, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I'm really not the parent that likes to brag about him, so I sent Paul a video of him playing drums, and a little video of, like, I played, like, I think it's Beethoven's Fifth, you know, dun 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 and I played, like, five seconds, Victor, play that, and you dun 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 I'm like, I think we got something here, you know? But anyway, um, so, he, he has a little bit of a gift, I mean, he has perfect pitch, and Stuff like that, but he. Other than that, you know, he's a normal kid. He likes to play video games with his. You know, he has to get real close to the TV. But he's been progressing, and um, he wants to be a musician. And um, and I like that he has something that he excels at, and he's exceptional at. And um, you know, it's it's not all his gifts. It's the fact that he just loves it. Like, you know, he started playing Super Mario Brothers. A week later, he can play half the songs, you know? As a matter of fact, he learned how to play the songs before I actually got him the game. I felt bad that he's never played the game, but he can play the soundtrack. And, um, but, you know, that's uh, that's where he's uh, he's headed. Like, you know, he wants to be a musician. So, piano for sure. Does he play drums regularly, too? Or yeah. what other instruments? He, he, he plays drums. He plays piano. Um He's uh, in school. It's funny. He's in like a little like talented music class, extra music class he takes. He's when they do their little performance. He's gonna be playing ukulele, and uh, so he can play ukulele. He can play a little bit of guitar, um, but he has seven-year-old hands, so that's why I put him on the ukulele. Give him two years. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know, he's funny because he can't do jumping jacks. He's the most uncoordinated kid, but he can play drums like a touring like a touring drummer. Well, I told Paul this when we talked uh, earlier that 
I played trumpet in high school because I can only manage three valves. I couldn't do two things, two different things with both hands and drums. I couldn't do four different limbs doing four different things. So I, I, right, I, right. I know it's diff the difficulty in playing drums. Yeah. My son picked, learned to play drums himself, and he plays. Uh, he played with a band for a little while, but I, I'd like self-taught himself with drums, and I'm like, I can't even do two hands doing right. two different things, but nonetheless, two hands, two feet. Yeah, it, it's fun to play with him because he'll just like he'll be in the middle playing a drum beat. We'll be trying to figure out a song, and because of his ear, I'm trying to figure out the chords on my acoustic. He'll be like, Dad, that's a D sharp major. You're playing minor, <laughs> and he'll just correct me while without missing a beat on the drums. I'm like, Thanks, buddy. You know? Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome, uh, Paul. Uh, quickly again, if somebody's listening and is interested in maybe taking. Uh, some lessons, even if they have sight or no sight at all, how do they reach you? Well, actually, there's a class at the Lighthouse on Thursdays, uh, 11 o'clock to noon. It is a free class. Um, people can come uh, any level. Uh, there's no registration. You just show up and, you know, and, and play with us. That's a good way to get started. Uh, and that would be a good way to meet not only myself, but a couple of other the LBC volunteers uh, that work with us and um, those students. Uh, again, they can contact me directly at paul.christian at lpcmusic.com. Now, LPC is a nonprofit, correct? Yes. How do people uh, donate if they want to or get in touch or maybe help in some way? How can people reach out to assist and what kind of assistance would you need? Uh, there is uh, s some information on our website at lpcmusic.com that can direct them to uh, a couple services. Um, you know, the, I, I would encourage someone to come and actually see what we're doing. Um, and, you know, the, the, the biggest need we have since Ida is, you know, we, we've lost our, you know, location where we can have larger classes. So the biggest need that we have right now, we have a, a lot of equipment that was, was graciously donated. Uh, the Donbusters Kiwanis have been incredibly helpful uh, with our program, not only in uh, donations, but in service hours. I mean, they've, they've put in so much time. They put in a ton of time uh, in our previous facility. So we've got willing workers and people that are willing to rebuild what we've got. Um, Finding a new space would be the, the, the critical element right now. The, the one thing I want to say is when I found Paul, the reason why I brought Victor to Paul is because the way this is taught is not how I learned. Music got very complicated over the years since this original process, this part of mental process. And when I watch Victor take lessons, I want to kick myself because I sat in music theory classes, which are like, which is like taking calculus. And this original way that, you know, Bach and Mozart and all them learned is a simplified way that's not only more simple, but it's just better. And it teaches people how to actually understand music instead of just memorizing where your fingers go. And I wish I would have learned like this, but it be, you know, it was it was a lost art until it was recently rediscovered, and that's part of the main magic with this is the the the, the process is so different than how we've turned music into math over the last few hundred years, and 
that was a turnoff to me. And uh, but this, the parlamento process is so intuitive and superior, and in, in every way. And they have, you know, Blake Paul was, you know, Tess told me they have places where you can take lessons like this in Europe. But this is a newer concept here. And students will be able to understand why they're playing things and switch keys. And they're not just a machine that can play one song in one key over and over. They understand music like we type on a keyboard, you know. It's just effortless at some point, you know. And to be able to do that with music is awesome. So it's not just that Victor has some extra talents. It's that he's learning in a way that is superior the kids who are taking traditional music. There's a great book, Carl, um, that one of the foremost musicologists that have been helpful to bring this Partimento technology back to the modern world um, is a professor, professor emeritus at Northwestern University, Bob Yardigan, Robert Yardigan. That's a last name is kind of strange to spell. It's G. J-E-R-D-I-N-G-E-N. But he wrote um, his second book for Oxford Press is called Child Composers in the Old Conservatories. And I suggest that book because it comes with over a hundred YouTube examples that, you know, Bob had produced through Oxford Press that um, really kind of show in a fundamental way these things. So if someone was curious about what it is, what Partimento is, that would be a great resource. Uh, and it's, it's just a beautiful book. Um, and Bob is an incredible writer. It, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. Wow. Uh, and Chris, I can relate to what you were saying because I played trumpet in junior high and high school and reading notes, trying to memorize the notes and playing towards a beat. Then when you take the sheet music away and you're out on the football field, you have to play by memory. Sometimes my memory wasn't as great. So I know it was more of a chore as to try and learn as opposed to the process of what you're talking about, learning this way that they taught back in Europe mm -hmm. centuries ago. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love the fact that, you know, you know, as a parent of somebody with special needs, you're always wondering, are they going to be able to make it in the world? What happens if this something happens to me? I know my son is going to have a talent that it's going to be in demand. He's, he'll be able to write a score for a movie or a video game or be a, you know, a tour musician with a big band and, you know, or something like that. And it makes, from a selfish level, it makes me feel, all right, he's going to be okay. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I, I don't, I mean, I assume that's what parents of kids with special needs goes through their head. And, um, because it does through mine, and and it's so that it is a, it's helped our whole world. Just these lessons. You're right. I, I have friends that have uh, children with special needs, uh, young uh, adults with special needs, and they talk just about that. They want to make sure that their child will be okay once they're gone. And so having the talent like Victor, that's a, a good start for him to to know for you that. He's going to be okay, as you mentioned. That talent's going to take him places. And already at, at his age, because of LPC, you know, Victor has gotten to work with Preservation Hall. LPC has been working with Preservation Hall musicians, uh, especially, you know, one of our board members, Carrie Lewis, uh, major Carrie Lewis, uh, a bass player for Preservation Hall, um, has been really helpful in bringing in the working New Orleans musicians so that our students are 
getting to actually see what it's like to work and and live making it as a musician. Mm -hmm. Now, in the final couple of minutes we have left, each one of you answered this question. What would you say to someone listening right now that's interested in taking music, but saying to themselves, well, I don't think I'm talented enough to do it, or I don't think I can learn to play an instrument? What would each one of you say to someone listening to maybe encourage them to, you know, take that leap? You want to take that first? Um, well, very few people start great at anything. Would a Gandhi say it's hard to not get better at something with practice? I mean, but the, the idea of being able to express yourself with music and at, at, after a long, you know, a, a amount of training, be able to do that almost effortlessly is such an accentuation to your life. It's such a, a release and a, uh, it's therapeutic and cathartic. Um, so, and it's, and the journey's fun too. And it just gives you, it's mentally, it's good for your mind. It's, there's, there's really no downside to taking a step to do it. I mean, it's all, you're just adding to the quality of your life. I, I think New Orleans is one of the rare places in the world where the community itself, the, the, the consciousness is welcoming for people to just join in. You know, our, our culture is a culture of everybody getting in with the second line, everybody becoming a part. Uh, in the rest of the United States, that's not the case. I think for the, a lot of people in the modern world, there are musicians, people who are exceptionally talented, and everybody else. But in the older cultures, like the culture that the Partimento springs from, uh, you didn't have a jukebox. You didn't have, you know, MP3s. You didn't have access to to music whenever you wanted it for a party. If you wanted music, it just had to be individuals playing it. And there will always be a one of one percent. But I think the important thing to understand is, you know, there's a, there's an old um, story about a guy that went to Africa and he was, you know, studying this indigenous tribe and uh, they were sitting around the campfire and they started to sing and he wasn't singing. And they said, you know, why aren't you singing? And he says, well, I don't sing. And their response is, but you speak. Well, I sing and I sing very poorly. So I love singing. I have music on all the time in my house. So Paul, I want to thank you. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you both for coming in and talking about this. Paul, again, give the information if somebody wants to uh, reach out to you and uh, take lessons and take that leap. Yes. My email through LPC is paul.christian at lpcmusic.com. Uh, and any question, I'd be glad to entertain. Thank you both for um, being here today and doing this show. You have been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo. Thank you for listening.